How about that cigar? How about that cigar? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Drew Estate Cigar Studios for episode 151. 151. Of How About That Cigar Live. We are so grateful to you guys for joining us live on Facebook, live on YouTube, and for those of you listening after the fact on the audio podcast, we want to thank you as well for listening while you drive down the road, work out, whatever it is you do when you listen to your favorite audio podcast. Thank you so much for making How About That Cigar a part of it. And as always, we are here in the beautiful Drew Estate Cigar Studios with a little bit of remodeling going on right now. But nonetheless, we want to talk about the fantastic return of Drew Estate's Barn Smoker program coming back in 2022, and it's going to be bigger and better than ever before. Uh, the 2022 Barn Smoker program will consist of these five epic and memorable events in Claremont, Florida, May 13th and 5th, through the 15th, in Strasburg, Pennsylvania, July 15th and 16th. Ellington, Connecticut will be on August 12th through the 14th. Hopkinsville, Kentucky, September 30th through October 1st, and the Big Savage Feast in Parker, Texas, October 21st and 22nd. On the Friday night before every Barn Smoker event, Drew Estate will host a DE25 exclusive pre-party where attendees will be the first to experience new cigar launches from Drew Estate. The DE25 exclusive pre-parties will allow Drew Estate to share the excitement of the 25-year milestone with more people in an intimate setting with fantastic food and incredible live entertainment. For more information about the 2022 Barn Smokers, including a full breakdown of the ticket tier prices and options, please visit barnsmoker.com. So, episode 151, mm -hmm. uh, the lovely sign behind us, uh, remodeling underway, mm -hmm. um, and it was what 60 ish something it was gorgeous <laughs> we're we're not used to this we're used to snow and ice and yeah when we can say it's gorgeous in the you know yeah. high 50s 60s yeah yeah that's when we when we get to go to places like Miami and and Las Vegas where we get very spoiled very quickly because it's usually not so nice around here um so spring training is well underway which we're very, very excited because we were we were so sad that we were thinking the baseball season was going to be uh, going to be shut down. But and so many moves are being made in know. in a lot of sports. Yes, you yeah. Know, so our twins are are you know uh, making moves. The Wild, the Wild are making moves. We picked up Flurry, <laughs> dude. Like what? Uh, over the past what twelve years, one of the best. Goal goaltenders in the in the NHL, and all of a sudden we have them. Yeah. So now we've got we did we dump one? I I didn't hear that we dumped any. So that means we've got Talbot and Kakinen and Flurry and Flurry. That's okay. And then there was another guy we picked up from Anaheim whose name yeah. escapes me. Yep. Um. But then yeah, the Twins are making moves. Um, NFL teams, tons of NFL moves. Oh my gosh. Like teams are there. There are so many moves going on that I never expected. This is, I, th these are some high profile, like Atlanta. That's the one. Yeah. Matt that, Ryan goes to the Colts and then, and then they pick up, who did they pick up? Um, they picked up, uh, uh, I can't, I can't, gosh, I can't even not remember. Not Geno Smith, but, um, yeah, I'm not somebody in that caliber where I was just like, "What are you doing?" Yeah, I'm not Atlanta. remembering right now. They're they're basically committing to the rebuild. Yeah, hundred um, percent. And the Green Bay Packers paid Aaron Rodgers a lot of money, and now he's got nobody to throw the ball to. And you're losing players on defense. <laughs> and we're losing players on defense. So your rock star linebacker is coming over to Minnesota. Yeah, I don't know what what are you gonna do. It is what it is. It'll be a fun season though. Baseball. I'm thinking about baseball. Baseball. Right now. I'm very excited uh, to go see some live baseball this summer um, mm -hmm. when it's warm out. Um, as always, guys, let us know what you are smoking and drinking along with us in the comments. We're going to have our special guest on in just a few minutes. And as always, of course, if you have questions and comments along the way, leave those in the comments too. Um, so let's jump right into it and let's get to our special guest of the evening and on how about that cigar live special guests are always brought to us by our friends at corona cigar company 
Corona Cigar Company and CoronaCigar.com, the Internet's largest and easiest-to-use virtual cigar store. Corona Cigar Company offers you the finest handmade cigars, humidors, and cigar accessories at the absolute lowest possible price. You'll also find unique and limited cigars containing Florida sun-grown tobacco. As a proud American, president and founder of Corona Cigar Company, Jeff Borshowitz believed it was possible to bring cigar tobacco farming back to Florida. At Corona Cigar Company and CoronaCigar.com, you'll find the best selection anywhere in the world of cigars containing this special Florida sun-grown tobacco. If you live in Florida or are just visiting, be sure to visit any of the great Corona Cigar locations in downtown Orlando, Sand Lake, Lake Mary, and also the Davidoff of Geneva Lounge in Tampa. For more info on all of that, please visit CoronaCigar.com and FloridaSungrown.com. So, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, if you would please... Put your hands together and welcome to episode 151 of How About That Cigar Live from El Artista Cigars, Mr. Ram Rodriguez. Welcome to the show. How's it going, guys? It is Good, a man. beautiful day, brother. Thank you so much for being with us tonight, man. Thank you, guys. I'm happy to be here. Fantastic. So before we jump into things, please let us know what you are smoking. And if you're uh, drinking anything along with that cigar, let us know that as well. So today I'm smoking uh, Cimarron, but not one most of the people are used to see. This is a Cimarron Prensado. We only have this cigar available here on the island, on the Dominican. Uh, it's a great cigar, uh, a medium to full body, a uh, lot of sweet notes. Uh, it's a very interesting cigar to smoke. And just a little bit of water for tonight for me. Awesome. And uh, tell us where you're broadcasting from, Ram. I'm in Santiago, Dominican Republic. Santiago, Dominican Republic. Is it uh, is it a little warmer than 60 degrees? <laughs> uh, it is a little bit warmer. Uh, it's probably oh my, I'm I'm very bad in this Fahrenheit. No, that's right. What uh, is it 20, in Celsius? Uh, it's probably like 26, more or less. 26. So you're you're in the upper 70s. Yeah. Yes. Nicer than here. Yeah. <laughs> well, before we jump into the questions, Garrett, these guys have cigars going. I need to light a cigar. You do. So let's uh, let's, let's get, get that, that going with the, the toast cam. Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust toast cam. When lighting your cigar, it is important to be patient, pay close attention to detail, and focus on the tobacco. In the same way, Steve Saka brings those same qualities to the ultra premium cigars of Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust patience, close attention, and focus on the tobacco are the qualities that Saka and Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust have become known for. From Sober Mesa to Umbagag, Dunbarton has a blend that will fit your palate, your mood, and any occasion. Visit DunbartonCigars.com to learn more. And uh, I just fired up the Buffalo 10 Natural. And I will be pairing that with a lovely 2022 LaCroix. <laughs> Is that a 2022? I, I, you Are know, you sure? Mm, I'm not. It could be. A I think that was a good season. So that was a good year for LaCroix. Yeah. It actually says 2019. So oh, 2019. So oh, well, that one was horrible, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was the worst year for LaCroix. That was the worst year. You get, yeah, you're getting a lot of rain, the, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah a, lot. a lot of rain, bad crop year. <laughs> oh, and I've got uh, I've got a Wisconsin uh, IPA and some Old Forester 100, as I usually do. Uh, and I'm smoking the Buffalo 10 Maduro uh, because this is going to have the this is going to have some boldness and some depth that'll stand up to you know, some, an IPA and mm. some, mm -hmm. some bourbon. So that is why I chose this one tonight. Um, so Ram, I want to get into, you know, before we um, really dive into, you know, the blends and things like that from El Artista, um, you know, we did some research on you and we always try to do some research on, on our guests. Um, and, you know, you've got a cool family history, a cool family story when it comes to tobacco, so give us a little bit of, of the of the backstory on your family when it comes to the premium tobacco business. So uh, my family, I'm third generation, actually. Uh, we've been in the tobacco industry for a while. Uh, the company was founded by my, my, my grandfather uh, back in 1956. Uh, 
he opened just a small uh, a little factory to sell in the local market in, in my hometown, Tamboril, uh, which is very close from, from the, the Santiago, the second biggest city here in the DR. And uh, after that, you know, he started selling nationwide. And when my father took over the company in the 90s, uh, we started exporting uh, our, our products. So, yeah, we, we've been around for a while, uh, growing a lot of tobacco and manufacturing as well. And um, early on, when you were young, is it true that you really didn't have any interest in the cigar business or the tobacco business? Oh, yeah. I was all over the place, man. Okay. <laughs> I was all over the place. I remember the first... I was, you know, a little kid. I, I, I said, like, oh, I want to be a doctor. You know, so, so that was my first idea of, of what my future will be. Uh, after that, in school, they did, like, a science fair, and they brought a lot of... Uh, um, animal parts and you know like hearts liver and I became vegetarian for like two years after that <laughs> and had nightmares of yeah <laughs> and I'm not joking like so you're 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 a young kid and you have grown up in tobacco and cigars like that was your father and your grand grandfather's livelihood. You know, there must have been a lot of pride in that business. Was it the typical uh, kind of growing up, you know, I don't want to do what my parents are doing. I want to go and do my own thing that you kind of grew into at first. Mm, a little bit, but my parents were very smart about it. Yeah. Uh, they were not pushing me, you know, like, oh, like this is what you have to do. The family's been awesome. doing this for a while or anything like that. You yeah. also was like, oh, you want to be a doctor? Okay, good for you, you know? That's awesome. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I was going to the factory almost every day since I was a little kid. Uh, the rule in my house was like, after I do the homework, I have to go to the factory uh, to work. Uh, work being, being around. And I never had a, an allowance in my house. It was more like a paycheck. Yeah. Mm. So I always got used to that. And in summertime, it was a little bit more serious. I, had, I spent a couple of hours every day learning new things in the factory. And every Sunday, I used to go with my father to the farms uh, just to see that how the tobacco is going. Uh, I actually wanted all of like my best memories with my dad uh, were either on the road or in the farms. Uh, you know, manipulating and learning about tobacco. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What were some of those early jobs? You know, are, are we talking sweeping floors and cleaning up, things like that? Uh, I did a little bit of sweeping floors and cleaning up. Uh, I basically went through every single department of the factory, from, okay. the, from the, the cleaning area uh, to maintenance, uh, <coughs> cigar sorting, uh fermentation cigar manufacturing packaging everything i'm actually very good packaging cigars oh yeah yeah that's tricky it's not it's not easy the 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 color sorting the from the times that i've seen color sorting in factories i i look at all those cigars lined up and i can't see a difference and there's yeah. <laughs> get it just right i know i it's can't an art yeah i can't it really see. is it an is. art yeah and then I know that for some people that that grew up in it, they either find themselves loving to either be in the fields and and seeing that that crop grow, or they love seeing uh, the fermentation fermentation barns, or they love being on the rolling floor. Where did your you know appreciation of cigars start in in this whole uh, family business? So I'll say in the farms mainly, uh, but nowadays I'm, I really enjoy being in the production area, you know, mm -hmm. manufacturing, uh, uh, packaging and all of that, you know, trying to find new ideas of how to do things better, new quality standards, all of that. I think that's my passion. That's awesome. And take us back to the, the time that you first sat down, whether you whether it's a good story or a bad story, because for some of us, it's not a good story. The first time that you sat down and lit up a, a, a cigar, what was that like for you? 
uh, I was for probably 14 years old in my teenage years, you know, starting. Um, I was in the factory and I took what one cigar without nobody noticing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then back home, uh, I went to my backyard. Uh, that day there was nobody uh, around. So I lit it up and it was a horrible experience. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> Did you yeah. cough and almost did you vomit? Uh I didn't vomit, but I remember I have to go and take a shower and just lay down in bed. You know? <laughs> Cigars are not meant for kids, for sure. Yes, absolutely. That's right. Absolutely. <laughs> um so through that evolution and learning from your grandfather and your father and seeing the processes on in the farms and in the factories, what's how did that progress into you taking on the role that you have now where you you have you have to oversee things and you you manage the production and you manage the blending and the branding and things like that so how did that evolve into you taking on the role that you have now and uh and part of that is also what is that what does day-to-day operation look like for you so uh, for me, you know, I l- started liking uh, all the process when I was probably 16, 17, more or less. But I still have my mind all over the place. Yeah. And in that moment of, of my life, I liked it probably like computer engineering or something like that. Mm. Um, when I traveled for first time to a cigar event, which was a... IPCPR, uh, and I saw what happens with the cigars after, you know, you put it on a truck and it leaves the factory, and I discovered uh, how big of a deal all of this is, uh, how many uh, uh, people leave out of this, out of the, uh, in, in, you know, like all the retailers, and how much passion uh, there is for, for, uh, for cigars, and then I realized, so like, oh my God, this is actually an art, what we, we've been doing, and that's when I fell in love it, uh, w- with it, my factory and <clears throat> I went then I went to college and I studied industrial engineering then in the states I also did a, a an associate degree in, in business administration and I took those two careers mainly because I thought like this is what the factory needs in order for for us to uh, continue growing in the industry um I op- I was me that opened the our operations in in the United States. We have a, a warehouse in Miami, and I took care. I still take care of of everything over there, and but now I'm, I'll say, eighty percent of my time is focused here in the factory. Uh, the industry is growing. Uh, there's a lot of uh, rooms uh, to to create new stuff. Uh, uh, on the tobacco side, uh, uh, our operations are growing significantly uh, as well. So most of my time is, you know, uh, working in the production line, uh, make, making sure there are not uh, bottlenecks in, in some rooms and renovating. We've been, in the last four years, we've been renovating all of our facilities. Okay. And yeah, I mean... Here is where, where I'm spending most of my time. It used to be in the States mainly, but now I'm focused here in the Dominican. So if, um, you know, over the last 20 years, we've, we've got a lot of, um, you know, new farms, new fields, new countries that are producing tobacco. When did your family start um, importing tobacco from other regions and countries to start playing with with blends when did when did that happen uh it has started in the 90s with the with the cigar boom okay. uh my father always tell me uh, this story about this company in particular uh that is very big in the in the tobacco trading side that he was able to buy a, around 12 bales of of american connecticut tobacco and he needed two bells, so so he got it, and the rest he sold it. Uh, it was during the cigar boom, so tobacco was hard to get, and it was very expensive. 
he was buying at source, so he was able to make a lot of money out of those 10 bells. Uh, with that, he started buying more and more and more until we became uh, their biggest customer here on, on the island. So uh, tobacco trading, uh, we've been doing that since the 90s. And right now, uh, we actually have operations in, in Ecuador as well. And we are doing our growing ourselves over there as well. Oh, very cool. And do you remember um, back into the, um, let's say that I, I don't remember exactly when it was, so I'll ask you, do you, do you happen to know when, as far as pricing goes? Because I know the boom, like you said, prices were really high. And then there, it reached a point where things leveled off and prices started to actually, uh, prices started to go down and then they sort of hit a low point. And then obviously they started to go up again because we're sort of in another cigar boom right now. Not as big as maybe the one in the 90s, but it's definitely a lot of people buying cigars and a lot of people trading tobacco right now. When, when did you, when do you think the prices sort of hit their, low point and started to go back up so i'm not that old but i'll say <laughs> i am <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll say it in the in the early 2000s okay uh, i remember tobacco was very affordable in that time and we were importing a lot of tobacco from asia which was extremely cheap and yeah uh, now uh, on the tobacco trading side uh filler prices have been gone up in the last two years oof, at least 120 percent wow. and and if you're able to get it yeah and uh, yeah things are a little bit more crazy now even that asian tobacco that used to be very cheap and that most of the factory use it a lot because it's actually good and affordable um nowadays uh it's very expensive mm -hmm. so yeah. people are looking for alternative for value smoke cigars yeah. Uh, so right now we are in that point where things are getting a little bit more complicated. Uh, yeah. I believe if things continue like that, uh, probably next year or the the year after, uh, there's gonna be a little bit of a of a shortage of tobacco, which now there is, but there's a shortage. I'll, I'll say that it's under control, kind of. Okay. And yeah. uh, it, talk us through tobacco trading. So, you know, I think most of us understand, you know, from farm and, you know, uh, different factories, different manufacturers will buy X amount of, of tobacco. But when you talk about tobacco trading, what does that look like for, for you guys? So, first of all, that's a great question. And I've been doing this for a while and it's the first time somebody asked me that. So, good. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, tobacco trading, there's a, many, many things involved. So locally, for example, for Dominican tobacco, um, everything starts in the farms. Uh, most of, of us, the growers, either have farms, but we also work with different farmers. Uh, it's a little bit, depending on, on the, the amount of business and how you handle it, uh, sometimes it's a little bit complicated, I'll say. Um, in our case, for example, uh, we have a team of agronomists that they have to visit all of the farms that we grow. Uh, farming in this country is not as, as it is in other places. This is a tiny island with a lot of people. So farms are usually very, very small. And uh, so there's a bunch of, of traveling involved in, in, in this. Mm -hmm. And we need to make sure they have the right seed and they apply the right products to the, to the crop. Uh, so the way we operate is that we provide the seeds, we provide a, 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 all the technical a, details of, of how to grow the tobacco the way we do, and a, they have to apply a, the products that we usually use a, depending on, on how the crop is evolving. Mm -hmm. uh, this is mainly because we need to guarantee that a, what we're growing there is not going to be harmful for, for, for the people in the future, that mm -hmm. they are not using weird chemicals or anything like that. So mm -hmm. we take that very, very seriously. Uh, other than that, we are actually part of a, of a program uh, that is called LIFTC, uh, which is uh, social responsibility in farming. 
So uh, we need to, we have a, a program where we need to track down that there's no uh, underage people working in any of our farms or or the farms that we are farmers that we are working with. Uh, we need to make sure that, that all the the pesticides are being disposed on the proper way, and they are uh, just you know working the way they should, and that everybody is good and healthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no modern slavery or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so uh, after that, when you have all, all of your tobacco, uh, usually uh, most of the business is done uh, in futures. Like, for example, right now, we are selling a, a, a 22, 23 crop. So we are getting asking our customers what do they need in the future in order for us to start growing uh, mm-hmm. after summer ends. Uh, it's more or less the same uh, when you start working with, with, with other countries. In Ecuador, it's basically the same because we grow. But then uh, tobacco trading on countries where we, we just buy the tobacco ready to go mm-hmm. uh, is a little bit different. You know, it's a, more of a, a getting the right distributor that can give you the right uh, product. Uh, we have uh, one member that is always traveling, you know, to Indonesia, to Central South America, uh, just making sure, you know, we get the tobacco that we need. Um, lastly, there are some very big companies that uh, also buys tobacco, uh, not necessarily for cigars, but for, mm-hmm. uh, like in Africa, uh, there's a product called Cigarello, which yeah. is a dark tobacco cigarette. Uh, they're very big corporations over there that they buy a lot of tobacco from here, from, from Dominican Republic. Uh that's another side of, of, of the trading, which is a little bit more like boring or corporate, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of contract signing and, and, and all of that. And yeah, in a nutshell, that's kind of what tobacco trading is, I guess. That's fantastic. And I'm guessing you're not the only one in that game and you're probably competing with uh, some other bigger factories in, in trading. So is there a, you know, we love the relationship part of the cigar industry is that key and pivotal to getting the tobaccos that you need for your customers oh yes absolutely absolutely and same as in cigar making where we all work uh, as colleagues uh, trying to solve problems and uh, going from a to b together uh, tobacco trading there are a lot of new people, and usually they are a little bit more aggressive, <laughs> and they kind of don't understand. Like they mm-hmm. usually don't last very long, kind of because of that. Okay. But here in the Dominican, there are a lot, a lot of traditional families that are been growing for for decades tobacco, and it's a little bit as it is in the cigar making side. Mm-hmm. So okay. it's beautiful. It's, it's as beautiful as as cigar manufacturing. Yeah. So one of the things that we love to learn about from from one factory to another is obviously there are a lot of things about cigar making that are similar. When you go, you can go to 20 different cigar factories and see a lot of things that look mostly the same. But there are the little differences that that come along when it comes to the blending process for El Artista. How does the blending process work? Who who participates in the blending process? And and how do you collaborate and and work together to decide on which tobaccos go into a blend? So at the Artista, uh, different from from most of the factories, there's a fact that there's not a like a master blender per se. Uh, decisions are usually made uh, as a group. Uh, usually, uh, I'm the one that come with the project, like, like this is, you know, what, what we're looking for. And uh, we start blending. Uh, most of the cigars that, that are under L'Artista Cigars brand uh, were blended by me. But, for example, Cimarron, that was blended by, by the idea and the composition was not chosen by me. It was, choose, it was uh, created by uh, actually the production manager. And we all agree that this is a great blend and, and, and we should use it. Uh, <clears throat> and all of the cigars that I blend myself, uh, I brought to the table, to the smoking panel, where we decide whether it's a good blend or not. 
Uh, I think that's kind of the main difference uh, that we have comparing to, to other factories. Mm -hmm. And uh, a viewer question, and I think it's a great question, is, is there a problem with um, other factories stealing good <laughs> rollers from other factories? Is that, does that happen? So nowadays, it's kind of becoming a problem, uh, okay. but it's not a huge problem, I'll say. Okay. If, at least all the big factories and, you know, like old factories that have been around, we talk to each other um, yeah. and we know what's going on. Uh, usually, if a person decides to leave and go somewhere else, uh, we don't make a big deal about it mm -hmm. uh, unless that person leaves on a bad way, you right. know? Like, oh, the, he was stealing tobacco or he was, you know, intentionally uh, making uh, bad cigars or, right. or something like that. Uh, we have a, a unwritten gentleman agreement that, that we all respect. And we try to avoid to do that. Yeah. No, that's that's good. And we've heard that in, you know, from from factories like in. Nicaragua, for example, in Esteli, there's so many factories, you know, packed into that tight little area in Esteli. Yep. And a lot of the, a lot of the factories and, and people who manage those factories say the same kind of thing where it does happen where there's and I think there might be a little more poaching. Yeah. In Esteli than there is in in uh, in, uh, in Santiago. Yeah. Uh, but I, I it is nice to hear because, like Garrett said, that it's so strongly built on relationships between people in the, in the industry and you everybody knows everybody else and you try to you know it, it, it it's your competitive companies but at the same time you're cooperating together to make the industry better as a whole and that's that's i think a good thing mm -hmm. absolutely absolutely um so as as baseball fans you know, we have to, we're not only are we, are we big baseball fans and also big fans of David Ortiz because he was at least for a few years, he was a Minnesota twin. Um, and we know he made his name for himself as a, as a, uh, member of the Boston Red Sox. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Sorry. Um, uh, and, an accident. and, you know, one, you know, brought, brought championships back to Boston for, for baseball and, but, but besides the fact that he's a native Dominican and he is a true lover of fine cigars. So how did the, how did the process begin with him uh, becoming a part of the El Artista family? So uh, we met David because we've been sponsoring his golf tournament for a while. And he was always a, next to the rolling uh, uh, cigar roller, uh, smoking cigars and just talking to us. Uh, so we got closer and closer. And uh, one day uh, I told him like, hey, you know, you, you like cigars so much, you, sh you should come to the, to the factory and uh, blend some cigars with us. Uh, he told me that he will do it and that he will call us. I thought he, he, was, just, he was just being polite. Yeah. But a couple of weeks after, I got a call from from a, a, one of his assistants here on the island uh, to set a date to see when when he can uh, come to the to the Dominic, uh, to the factory. And it happened. We start blending, and all of a sudden, we're making cigars for Big Papi. <laughs> uh, that cigar, uh, we were really just making a couple of cigars for for him and for his friends to share, uh, shipping to him. Every now and then, every one or two months, uh, when he announced that he was going to retire, uh, I I asked him like, "Hey, like, do you have interest in in making this commercial?" And he liked the idea. So uh, one day, you know, like we draft an agreement, and one day I get this call from from his manager. Uh, David wants to sign the contract. Uh, can you come tomorrow? I was like, okay, yeah, where should I go? <laughs> Fort Myers. Fort Myers. Fort Myers. Yes. I was wow. like, okay, no problem. So uh, I just take a flight to Miami and drive to Fort Myers. It turns out that that day was the last uh, a spring training uh, game that he was going to play. Oh, wow. And, you know, like everybody here loves baseball. 
but it's not until you are on a stadium watching almost everybody with a big poppy jersey, yeah, one with signs all over the place that you know that's where I realized, like, oh man, oh man, like this is this can be something really big, yeah. Um, yeah, so and after that, the agreement said that he we were not able to sell the product until the season for Boston was over. Yeah. So we had to wait until it happened and it's all history from there. Yeah. Well, and it's it's you can really tell because the first time I tried that blend everybody's been in that experience where they they see a cigar that's branded by a celebrity it could be somebody from the movies it could be a sports figure mm-hmm. and it's branded with a celebrity's name mm-hmm. and sometimes you know they you you know that it's just going to be a cigar that's okay that's got somebody's name on it and but you could tell when the first time i smoked that blend which was not long after it came, was released you could tell that that cigar was put together by people who care about premium tobacco it was evident in the blend. You could taste it and smell it in the blend. And see it in the construction. And the, yeah, and thank and you. So it's uh, you, you guys. You know, not, not to not to throw puns around, but you guys truly knocked it out of the park. Thank you. Thank one. you very much. And and now uh, the uh, uh, with uh, the guys from Two Guys Cigars, you're yeah, doing the, the firecracker. firecracker. Which is awesome because the firecracker is such a cool project from, you know, different brands getting to make that little short cigar. And so um, uh, obviously you guys, you know, put that cigar together. But um, what is, you know, what what does David know? What is what does he know about the firecracker project? And is he, you know, is, is he excited to to know that he's, you know, because it's he's also got, you know, the Hall of Fame. Uh, which is fantastic. So, you know, is, does he know about the Firecracker Project and is, is he excited Absolutely. to be a part of that? Absolutely. And nice. by the way, uh, if, if you guys to get to uh, see one of those boxes, there's a QR code uh, that if you scan it, uh, it will send you to a video of, of David talking about the blend. So uh, he was involved in the, in the project. Uh, uh, we... Just don't use his name. Like he's actually very serious about about his products, and he's always pushing us. You know, there's actually something really cool that hopefully we're gonna be able to make it this year uh, on on his uh, lineup of of products. And yeah, we we he's been involved in the in the project since since uh, Dave uh, brought it, brought it to us, and yeah. There are also, by the way, 10 boxes that he personally signed. Oh, nice. Yes. And is we did like a Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory scheme <laughs> where Golden we just it. randomly, yeah, put it in the in a carton so nobody knows who is going to get those uh, one of those signed boxes. And That's... there's a special video on those boxes as well. That's very cool. That That's, is awesome. Yeah, and it's you know, as as fans of the game of baseball and fans of him as a player, um, uh, and and also honestly fans of uh, El Artista cigars, it's a great partnership, and I I hope it just keeps going. Yeah, me too. Yeah, thank uh, you, thank you yeah. very much. Yeah, and I have to check in on the cigar. So for those of you, if you guys th- this, I've smoked a few of these Buffalo Ten Maduros. So, and I'm going to let our viewers know and our listeners know that this Buffalo 10 Maduro, first of all, the price point is fantastic on these cigars. Um, And second of all, there is so much natural sweetness from this Maduro. The retro hail is super smooth. There's no, there's no bite. There's no harshness. So if you guys are fans of Maduro's with natural sweetness, and a really smooth retrohale, you guys have to pick up some of these cigars because uh, it is it has become one of my favorite good, sweet... Oh, I just can't say enough about it. So, mm-hmm. well no. done. Yeah, and Thank likewise, you. the the natural has a lot of sweetness to it as well. And while I'm talking about this, um, if you could look for John's earlier message 
um, question about this particular cigar since we're talking about it. Um, this Buffalo 10, if, if you could talk about the creation of this and the, the shape, the extreme, you know, thinness and, you know, box press, what would the, what was the process like in making this cigar? So, you know, there's a bunch of box press out there. Yeah. We just wanted to do something different. So that's why we even call it like soft box press. Uh, we just press it a little bit more, you know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I like the fact that it's not just your everyday, like very square box press cigar. This is a little bit more like flat. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, it's just just us trying to be a little bit more different. Well, and for those who, you know, don't know, you can't just roll a cigar and decide to squish the piss out of it and get this shape. <laughs> there is, I mean, you have to engineer uh, a roll that will take that shape. Am I, is that correct? That's correct. The amount of filler is different. And it's a process, you know. The, you need to uh, make sure you have the right wrapper, that you have the right binder, uh, that the weight of the tobacco, the cigar is correct. And also, you need to have the right tray. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. Uh, fantastic. This is just a, a fantastic line. And uh, for our viewers and listeners, at the end of the show, we'll uh, tell you where you guys can get these. So, um, And I also had a question because I was, I was looking at all the different brands and blends under the, the LRTista family. What is the out of all the different blends and and facings? What which one is the oldest? Which one has been around the longest? So when we started with the with the operations in Miami, uh, the oldest one, the first one where we released was Exactus. Okay. Yes, and uh, but the oldest brand per se is Cimarron. Cimarron, we actually be making that cigar since the nineties, mid nineties, more or less. Oh, okay. Yeah, because that's a so was that was a, was that one only available in in Dominican for a long time? Because I don't remember seeing it in the States until the last few years. Or did I just miss it? Uh we were not that oriented to the US market. Okay. There was a little bit of presence uh, of it, but just tiny, you know, just oh yeah. I'll say no more than ten stores in the whole country. Okay. Yeah, and that's um, because I didn't try that 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 Cimarron until uh, I want to say th three or four years ago, um, and that I, I the Maduro for me liking more full bodied cigars. The Maduro, the Cimarron, and the Maduro um, really enjoy that cigar very much, mm -hmm. um, and that's the one that got me. It caught my attention. Um, so, um, and, and the, uh, so, so as we're looking forward to the rest of 2022, um, are you guys planning on uh, being at the PCA trade show in July? Absolutely. Fantastic. Absolutely. Excellent. So, um, you know, we have to ask if the, we know everybody's always working on cool new stuff in the background are you guys working on some new stuff that uh, maybe we'll see in the next few months? We are working in a lot of new cool stuff. Nice. Uh, uh, the main one that hopefully is going to be the release uh, in PCA uh, is called the Paperboy. It's a small 4x44 cigar uh, mm. that is coming in a 10-pack. Uh, very good price point as well. And yeah, that's probably going to be our main release on PCA. But we have a couple of other projects uh, on the lineup for this year. Nice. No, that's awesome. cool. And I like that. I like that idea of having a small format cigar for us who live in cold weather. Mm -hmm. Sometimes having a cigar yeah. that doesn't take long to smoke is a good thing. <laughs> yeah. You should Lanceros? try our family as well. Any Lanceros on the horizon? Not for now. I love Lanceros, and mm -hmm. I actually made an excellent Lancero uh, cigar in a Lancero side that I kind of want to release it. I just haven't found like the where to put it, you know. Mm -hmm. 
Well, I will be a big advocate for you if that decides right. to happen. So yeah. just know that you've got a, a, a cheerleader over here. Yeah, Garrett, All right. <laughs> he, Garrett goes crazy for Lanceros. <laughs> All right. So I think. Oh, is it? Okay. Is it time? I think it's time. It is now time for this week's Numero de los Muertos. And as always, Numero de los Muertos is brought to us by our friends at Smoke In. guys and don't forget go to smokein.com and use the coupon code hbtc15 for 15 percent off your order smokein.com episode 151 garrett what do you have for us this week well first i'd like to give a shout out to john level who we were uh honored to meet at the great smoke um in florida uh, a few weeks ago and he threatened me <laughs> he threatened me Real threats. Real threats. Real threats. He said, "If uh, if you stop doing my favorite segment, I'm not going to watch your show anymore." <laughs> no, it you... was all in good fun, but uh, we appreciate the love <laughs> and, and getting to meet people who watch the show. It's it's uh, very humbling. Absolutely. All right. So this week, for episode 151, we have got 20 on average. This is a 20 year average on average. Uh, 27 people a year die from this in the U.S. All right. So as always, viewers, leave your guesses in the comments. So Ram and I together are going to play 20 questions with Garrett. Mm -hmm. The number is 27 people a year on average in the U.S. Mm -hmm. die from this. Mm -hmm. Okay. So and we can we can narrow down information, Ram, on this. So we can say, is it so so for instance, I'll say, is it a workplace accident? It is not. All right. It is not medical. Chad, you probably need to settle down on the spring cleaning <laughs> a little bit. Now, and I know it can get real. Like we're, we're, we started a purge last, uh, this last weekend as well. Um, buffalo attacks. It's interesting. That's a good, it's a good guess. That is a good guess. It's very topical. Yeah. It is not water related. Okay, so is it related with an animal? It is. Okay. okay. That's a very good question. Mm -hmm. So let's keep that going. Um, all right. So it is animal related. It's mm -hmm. United States. Mm -hmm. It's 27 people a year. Mm -hmm. What else? Mm -hmm. What else? What else? Mm -hmm. uh, marine animals? Water? No, not water related. No water related. Oh, you just said that. Dang not, yeah. not ram attacks. Uh, pun, I'm sure intended, which is <laughs> adorable. I kind of like it. That's a good one, Chad. Uh, I like that. Um, okay, animal related. Um, are these are these animals that people ride? No, no, not stick in the eye, not snake bite. Um, no, it is not. I wouldn't. Poisonous, let's not, or venomous. Nope. Are these are these animals typically domesticated household animals? No, they are not. No. Okay, wild animals. And are they like a carnivore? Like like meat eaters, like ca cannibal Ooh. animals? Oh yeah, car uh, carnivores. 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 Car yep. Carnivore. Uh, they are well, they can be. But so, it's not specific carnivores. They can, so that means they eat anything, basically. Like eat. correct. And and to to be clear, we're not talking about one specific animal. Okay. And only twenty-seven, so it's not like 
It's not a big number, right. but here, let me throw out some other numbers for you guys. Yeah. Um, so here's some, some clues. Um, the people that are involved in this statistic, uh, the most are in Texas with about a million a year. The next state is Pennsylvania with about 800,000 a year. And then Minnesota and Wisconsin are tied for about 600,000 a year that are involved in this statistic. So these, but only 27 deaths. Correct. So these are like injuries or encounters. Nope. These are all the people that are involved in this thing. Okay. But this is not a domesticated animal. Correct. Being like no farm animal, no bees, no. Mm -mm. Okay. Um, they are both larger than humans and some are smaller than humans. Um, not allergies. I, th this is a very. Well, there, there, it's an, okay. They, it could be larger or mm -hmm. bigger than human. Mm -hmm. And again, not specific. And so we are talking multi-animal situation here. And the animals directly cause the death of the No. Human. They don't directly cause it. Mm -mm. The most are in Texas. The second most are in Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. Those states aren't even remotely related. Exactly. And then, and then, <laughs> exactly. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was thinking when he said Texas, I thought wild boars, but there, I don't think there are many wild boars in Pennsylvania. Well, there might be, but none in Minnesota or Wisconsin. And people usually die after they eat them? Mm, mm -mm. No. No? So it's not like hunt related or anything like that. Ooh, it is. Mm, okay. Oh, it's hunting related. Mm -hmm. um, so maybe it's when you shoot the wrong animal and you kill your hunting mate? <laughs> yes, that's it. Holy really? Shit. You got, you got it. it, Ram. Get out of here. Oh. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's for people shooting other people, other hunters, or themselves on accident. Or the... Yep. My mind is. Yeah, blown. they're like, oh, there's something on my shotgun. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, that is blowing my mind. So people. Shooting themselves or shooting another hunter while they're hunting. Correct. And and just to show, so 27 a year on hunting accident side uh, compared with, uh, on average, 489 um, is the total number of annual accidental shooting deaths in the U.S. And only 27 of those are hunting related. But what I was fascinating with is that Minnesota and Wisconsin are the third tied for third for most hunting uh, states uh, licenses given out each year on average about 600,000. And, and they're not big states and they're not huge, but states. there's a lot of hunters, a lot of hunters in, in, and we know from living up here that hunting is like a way of life. It's, for, yeah. It's like a, it's, it's like a religious holiday when yeah. it's, when it's hunting season, people take work, people take off work. They take off school to go hunting. Yeah. When the season's open. Yeah, Chad, I did do one similar, but it wasn't specific to. No, I did look. Um, and this is why we got to get the spreadsheet up and running because I'm starting to run out of. <laughs> See, Chad, because Chad has like that smart mind he that does. remembers everything yeah. that we do on the, the subjects on the show. So it's yeah, it's time to sit down. Take take a take a couple hours one Sunday and sit down and work out spreadsheets yep. so we remember what topics have been done in the past. Exactly. That was very good. So that was this week's numero, numero de, de los, los muertos. muertos. <laughs> All right. So let's jump into this week's lightning round. And lightning round is brought to us by our friends at J.C. Newman Cigar Company. They are America's oldest family-owned premium cigar maker, creators of the popular Brick House, Perla Del Mar, Diamond Crown, and The American. J.C. Newman Cigar Company operates out of their 112-year-old El Relo factory in historic Cigar City, Tampa, Florida. 
For more information on their cigars or their visitor experience, please visit jcnewman.com. So, Ram, we have some non-cigar-related questions for you. And the first one is, if you could hear the thoughts of one living person for 10 minutes, who would it be and why? Mm. For 10 minutes of one living person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You could hear what they're thinking. Uh, how can I make money out of that? Hold on. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. There you go. For 10 minutes. Yeah. 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 Anybody like a big CEO that is about to make yeah. a big announcement. That's oh, the- that's that's a very good yeah. one. Who would? I missed it. Uh, any big CEO. Oh, yeah. Any big CEO. Yeah. Yeah. Or even like uh, Elon Musk to get... Uh, you know, some get some, the insider information. Yeah. Before. It yeah. What's going to happen with Dogecoin? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Dogecoin. yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So Ram, if you were about to get into a fight, what would your soundtrack music be? My soundtrack, probably anything from system of the down. Just to, you know, yeah. make my blood run, you know? Yes. That's a great answer. Love That's it. a first time. I answer. think it is. That's a great answer. All right. So choose one of the following. You could hit a home run as a starting pitcher. You could score a touchdown as a defensive lineman. You could score a goal in a hockey game as the goalie, or you could score a goal in a soccer game as the goalie. I'm lost. Are you a sports guy? Uh, Más o menos. Yeah. More or less. So um, in, in baseball, yeah. you could either hit a home run yeah. as the pitcher or in American football. Do you know much about American football? Not that much. Okay, Not that much about scratch American. American football. Ice hockey. Yeah. Have you seen that? You can score a goal in ice hockey as the goalie. Or in football, you could score a goal as the goalie. Okay. They all suck. (laughs) 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 That is. Yeah. I I mean, uh, I I guess uh, the home room as a pitcher. Okay. (laughs) Did you play baseball? Yeah, I'm Dominican, so I was forced to play space, <laughs> to play baseball. <laughs> what, what did you play? It's mandatory. Did you play all the positions? I play all the positions. I was not very good at it. <laughs> you and me. Yeah, well. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Same here. They they put me in. Uh, they put me in right field. <laughs> You're which right, right field is like when you get put in right field. It's like okay, I'm not very good at this game. That's <laughs> why I get put in right field. That's why I. That's why I got put out there. All right, so let's move into this week's uh, Notable Smokable. And Notable Smokables are brought to us by our friends at Ace Prime. Notable cigars, notable passion, notable purpose. So each week we name a cigar that we smoked recently that was notable to us. It could be a cigar that's been on the market for decades that we just tried for the first time in a long time. Or it could be something brand new that we've tried for the first time ever. Uh, so, Ram, obviously you're smoking mostly stuff from El Artista. Do you get a chance to smoke stuff from outside of your brand? And if so, did you have something recently that caught your interest? I, I'm always uh, checking what's around. And being a, a, a big player in the tobacco trading, we receive mm. a lot of visitors on the, on the factory. And lately, the last cigar that I smoked, it was actually one from Davidoff. Mm. I don't know the brand, like what's the commercial name, because it was naked when it was given to mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. But it had a beautiful uh, Connecticut Ecuador wrapper. Mm. I wonder where they got it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and that cigar was fantastic. I'm not a big Connecticut guy, but yeah. that cigar was mild to medium, but it was sweet. It had some... Uh, very good uh, uh, flavor, a little bit of complexity. It, it, I really enjoyed it. I, I really did. And I remember it was a Corona size. 
Okay. Mm. Yeah, that's that's my wheelhouse there. Uh, Garrett, what was your notable this mm. week? Well, you already know. I do. You I do. already know. <laughs> and we didn't even have to say anything. Yeah. And you know. So yesterday was my birthday. And uh, I, I smoked, you know, um, a lot of great cigars yesterday. But one stood out amongst the rest. And it was the Davidoff Year of the Tiger. Yeah. Yeah, we smoked those together over at Sodi's cigar shop. And that you guys and and Matt when we were smoking it you I mean you hit it on the head when I want to know how they made that tobacco look like yeah, the, tiger stripes. The wrapper leaf. There's they they made the wrapper leaf look like it's tiger stripes. Now obviously that's not a natural process. We understand that. But it looks really it good. It was beautiful. And it smokes fantastically. Oh my and it gosh. tastes really good. It was out of so, this And world. a shout out to our friend Todd for yeah. this beautiful cigar. Thank you very much, Todd. Um, and my So my notable this week um, was um, from Dapper Cigars. Um, and Dapper is a brand that I've, you know, it's kind of been uh, gaining some popularity over the last few years. Uh, and I've enjoyed a lot of their blends. And this was the, uh, the Dapper Siempre Rosado in the Robusto size. Mm. And that Rosado Habano wrapper leaf, it's it's more it they they call it Rosado. Rosado? It, I know it looks oscuro to me, but I don't care what they call it. It tastes really good. It burned great, so uh, that was a nice that was a nice cigar, definitely. Uh, so that was this week's notable smokables, brought to us by Ace Prime, improving lives through fine cigars. Please visit aceprime.com to learn more. So to give our viewers and listeners an idea of what we have coming up next week, we have none other than Jonathan Carney from La Flor Dominicana mm -hmm. on the show on the 28th. Uh, so, Ram, if you would, please give our viewers and listeners the uh, kind of a final push. Where is the best place for them to get all the latest info on El Artista Cigars? Social media. We are on Facebook, on Instagram, uh, on Twitter as well. Uh, also, uh, our website, uh, elartistacigars.com. Uh, our social media is El Artista Cigars. Uh, that's where you're going to get most of, of the information of what's going on with El Artista. Excellent. Okay, totally off topic. I know we're ending the show, but do you guys ever have that? Uh, so I almost never have my ringer on my cell phone. It's almost always on vibrate. Same here. Okay. Same Do you here. ever have the the phantom buzz? Like I'm looking at my phone right here. All of a sudden, I felt what felt like my phone buzzing in my pocket, and I seriously, while looking at my phone, checked my pocket for my phone because I thought it just vibrated in my pocket. I get that all the time. Do you, does that happen? So that's from back that, and this is showing my age a little bit, but that's from back in my BlackBerry days. Because if the, <laughs> anybody who ever Back in the early 2000s, if you carried a BlackBerry, the, the vibrate in those Blackberries was, was so strong, so strong. You, oh, yeah. you could feel it like six counties away. Yeah. And I, had, I would always have that thing in my pocket, and it, the vibrate was so strong that to this day, I still have that phantom <laughs> feeling where it's, my phone goes off and I, I feel for my pocket and my phone's not there. Right. I still get that. I just had that and it was really weird and I just had to bring it up. <laughs> See, I'm, that's, I'm that's, not crazy. That's You're not crazy. Well, a little. Well, a little bit. But in, in the best possible way. Uh -huh. uh, Ram, brother, thank you so much Thanks. for being on the yeah. show tonight. We had a great conversation. We hope you had a good time with us tonight. I had a blast. Thank you, guys. It, it was a really fun and a real pleasure. Oh, and real quick, um, I said uh, we would tell people, I, I know that they can follow you on social media, but do you have a, a website or somewhere where people can find a retailer that's closest to them? And if not, maybe an online retailer that carries El Artista? Yes, elartistacigars.com. Uh, there's a map. You just put your zip code and, and you can check over there. Perfect. Fantastic. Awesome. Thank you. Hang out uh, in the green room so we can say a proper goodbye after the show. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll hang it up. All right, so viewers and listeners, guys, as always, we are so grateful to you guys for watching How About That Cigar Live. 
Uh, thank you so much for continuing to watch the show. Episode 151 and counting. Uh, we're excited. We have some great, great stuff coming up uh, in the near future. Uh, so continue to watch and listen. Uh, be sure to go on to the YouTube channel and not only watch the show, but subscribe to the channel. Uh, and on Facebook, thank you so much for following us. Make sure to hit the like button on Facebook and follow us on social media at HBT Cigar. And for the listeners on the audio podcast, um, be sure to not only listen to the episodes, make sure you subscribe so you never miss a new episode. Uh, and like I said, all the social media outlets, you follow us at HBT Cigar. And of course, as always, burn cigars, not bridges. Thanks, guys. Thanks, See you, everybody. everybody.